0: Hey, this is Ed. Welcome to the Voyage Cast, where we discuss all things wellness, from interviews and reviews to tips and tools to help you grow. In today's episode, yours truly is being interviewed, and all your problems will likely be solved. But in the event they're not, here's your major take-homes: pick one path, do not let your struggles define you, and by all means, Please keep moving forward. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you got into the field to begin with and like your evolution as a therapist and kind of take us through your career a little bit, if you will. Sure. I was at this camp when I was in high school um, on Catalina Island, which was very Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Water skiing in the ocean was pretty rad. And I was talking to my girlfriend at the time. I was talking to her sister and her sister was going through some things and I can't remember any of it, but it occurred to me internally, hey, I'm pretty good at this <laughs> talking to people yeah. thing. And, in, and why that's important is because I wasn't good at anything. Mm. Like I had no academic skill sets to speak of at all. <laughs> you know, sports for me, I did it because I committed to it, but I wasn't like your top guy in, in athletics. So it wasn't a big deal for me. I just liked being with my friends. That was kind of my bottom line. I liked having fun, liked goofing off and getting into a little bit of mischief. (laughs) But when it came to getting into the therapy field, like that was the defining starting moment, I guess. After that, as I got into my academic career, knowing that I had to now suddenly figure out school because I wanted to do this thing and there was no other way to get there than through school, that that was a really hard journey for me. I mean, I started school at like a seventh grade reading level in college. Um, I was pretty much at the lowest classes you could take for almost every category because I I learned almost nothing in my formative years of education. Mm. So I really had to start completely over uh, with all of that. But I knew like, I am going to do this thing. So I kind of just set my pace. Like I focused on one lane. I had a lot of interest, but I wasn't good at anything. So I knew that that wasn't going to go anywhere. And so I just pursued this one path kind of, naively in a sense, because I mean, I, I had came up against so many challenges. I, I failed multiple classes in college. Um, I had to retake things. Um, I was in the writing center every week to try to figure out how to write a paper cohesively so that anybody else could understand what my thoughts were. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got through and that was at a, at a community college. I finally got through that and made it over to the four-year university. And, um, I made it in three, so total of five years um, to get my bachelor's degree. I I mean, you know, I really started over when I started my education. I mean, it really started in college and going through the psychology classes. It was kind of inspiring. It was uh, sparking my mind. It was getting me to think. Uh, And the school I went to was pretty fantastic. I mean, if I learned nothing at this school, I learned how to think for myself and what a powerful tool that was because then i could take that anywhere i learned philosophy i learned more about religion i learned more about psychology i learned integrating all these ideas and i was geeking out i mean it was really some of the most inspirational times of my academic career was finally getting to this this college or university and there's a couple classes that had those aha moments i was in this class uh, i don't remember the name of it at this point um, but we were all sort of doing mock therapy with each other. We were given a, an idea or a model of how to approach it. And then we were just kind of testing it out. And this was still an undergrad. And the feedback I got from my group was, Eddie, you are really good mm. at this. And so for me, I'm like, well, the, gosh, the next step is grad school for me. Because what are you going to do with a bachelor's degree in psychology? <laughs> Nothing. Not much. Not much. Right. <laughs> and so then I, I went and I went to uh, this this kind of, what do they call them? Like a fair, you know, and they have all career fair kind of things. And they had different colleges and universities there. And that's when Vanguard, um, I found Vanguard, they had their booth there. and, And again, I still was not good at school. I was getting better at it, but I needed to find a way to get into grad school without all the tests because there was no way I could take a GRE and pass. In fact, I took it and, you know, I basically spelled my name right because I have horrible test anxiety And there was no way I was going to make it. I mean, I wanted to go to to a a PhD program or a PsyD program, rather. And I had my heart set. But even my mentor at the time, based on my test scores, like, Eddie, you you should not apply. Yeah. Wow.
1: Which, for those that don't know, the GRE just tests math verbal. Mm-hmm. So essentially if you mm-hmm. just know Greek and Latin root words and then writing, Correct. nothing about therapy, right? right? And, well, nothing.
0: They, they do have the psych GRE too. Okay. I didn't take does, that. I, I didn't once okay. I basically failed I the first GRE. Yeah. And, and, you know, when it tests for all those things, like I, I didn't learn any of that. Yeah. I learned nothing about, I don't know, the, the structure of the English language mm-hmm. in my formative years because I, I had, un, well, technically I had undiagnosed ADD and I just was checked out all mm-hmm. of the time. Um, and I, I literally couldn't focus to save my life. I mean, yeah. from kind of jumping back in time a little bit, I mean, I had tutoring and all kinds of support mm-hmm. around my academics. I still couldn't figure this out. I did figure a way through it. Yeah. But moving forward, I found Vanguard, and they actually let me into the program on academic probation because mm-hmm. I still wasn't really performing. But they liked me in the interview, so that was a good start for me. And then, sure enough, I mean, I it's like I found my people. I found my home. I had the greatest GPA of my life. Oh, wow. Um, I did the best academically compared to anything I've ever done. Uh, I just loved every second of it. Mm -hmm. And then I continued to get reinforcement that I was in the right field. Yeah. You know, Uh, I did have a lot of hurdles to go through personally with that, like just anxiety of being with a person in a room like any new therapist would Mm -hmm. have, of course. But overall, I got really good feedback that this was the right thing for me. And that's partly from an academic standpoint, that's kind of how I made my way. The other thing that fueled the fire for me to want to get into therapy and, and really help people was my folks divorcing when I was like 20, 21 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, man, I really wanted to solve that problem. And, you know, I'd ask professors, I'd ask all kinds of people and they're like, Eddie, you know, you can't be their therapist. Mm-hmm. You can't be the therapist and all that stuff. And it just, it made me so mad that I You know, I couldn't Mm -hmm. fix it. And my folks, God, they were the more I learned about their story. I mean, they were long gone before Mm -hmm. the divorce ever happened, but it rocked my world and it fueled the fire for me to be better personally and to help people passionately with their marriages. I mean, I love primarily working with couples and relationship Mm -hmm. issues. So that's my jam, but that was part of the fuel for it. Yeah. Uh, And I do have this deep belief that really anybody could make it. I know it doesn't always happen. Uh, and I know that not everybody sees that, and I know that not everybody's willing to put the work in, or, you know, it's complicated. I get all those nuances, and I see it all. Uh, but I do have that belief, and so then I I still remain passionate about trying to solve the problem of the dysfunction and to, to identify a, a way forward for hope and something better. Yeah. So to jump back in time, my academic career was a big impetus on my anxiety and fear of being good enough. Mm-hmm. So it, it fueled a lot of that because what, what I learned was more just survival in academics mm-hmm. versus actually how to do it. I learned to survive. I learned to lie, steal, cheat, manipulate mm-hmm. people. Um, I, I did all kinds of, we'll just say nefarious things to get better grades so I could graduate high school. Yeah. Um, I actually wasn't even supposed to graduate when I did because I didn't earn it. Um, and then I had a teacher who gave me a grade I didn't deserve, um, which allowed me to graduate. Yeah, that's the only reason why I graduated high school. Yeah, is at least on time. Wow, is because I was given that grace. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely did not deserve that grade.
1: Well, it's just so interesting that your skill set comes. It's so outside of the typical schooling. Oh, totally. Your skill set is relating, connecting, seeing dynamics, um, getting people to trust you. It doesn't matter if you (laughs) can do math, if you know big fancy words, or if. You can write, and so I just, I don't know, I also wonder how your story can be super connecting for, um, maybe not kids would be listening to this, but other parents that are struggling with their kids that struggle in school. Oh, absolutely. And, wh- and and then I know what society says, if you don't do well at school, where well, your future's doomed.
0: Right, and you know, I, I've had plenty of clients like that, and I tell them, basically, I'm, I'm a good example that you can still make it, mm-hmm. you know? don't don't believe the lie that this is the only way to get through yeah. there are so many ways to get through uh, and to um, to achieve those goals and, and it's you know you just have to be creative of mind to some degree like you, you can't stay dogmatic that this is the only approach i mean yeah if i had done that i never would have made it to a four-year university yeah. and i never the would fact have, that you went and got yeah. a
1: master's with struggling oh with yeah school.
0: well and then you know shortly after i got my master's degrees <laughs> quick point of clarification it took about four years after my master's degree not a short time to move from california to colorado where we start voyages counseling i apply to teach at a at a university And I get the job, Mm. which was astonishing that they would (laughs) let me teach. This idiot is teaching at a university. The the funny part of this story is that I'm sitting in a bathroom, anxious as hell. My class is about to start Mm that I'm teaching and it's a four hour night class. Oh! I got to teach integration of psychology and theology for four hours. (laughs) It ends at 10 o'clock at night. I'm there early because I'm anxious. I need to get set up. I'm terribly insecure about this mm-hmm. whole process. First class I've ever taught in my entire life, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I text my friends from my childhood, from back home who, who know me as this academic idiot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey guys, guess what? I'm a professor and I'm about to teach a class. And their responses were hilarious. They're like, who is this guy? Like, you know, was, they, they were shocked. Uh, and I'm like, I know, right? This is crazy. Because the truth is, I, I was, I'll I'll tell you this much. My parents actually thought technically I was slow, Mm. like intellectually slow Mm -hmm. because I just didn't understand school. But really it was, I was just checked out all of the time. My brain was not attending to anything at all. Um, And so then, you know, fast forward, I'm now in this thing. And I mean, I I am so insecure, so afraid. Mm -hmm. And then I teach the class and then, you know, after I'm done, I think it was a five week class. I got rave reviews yeah. from my students. Wow. They loved my class. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't exactly know what I did to earn that, but I really worked hard. I mean, I put in a lot of time for every mm-hmm. class to make it happen. And then I get a job at a second university, you know, so one yeah. was uh, CCU and the second one was MSU. Mm-hmm. And I get a job there and I'm, I'm astonished again uh, and while I was teaching at CCU, I never had any oversight, which I thought was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have any peers come in to review my classes to make sure it's more of just student led uh, uh, reviewing. But at uh, MSU, I had their, the Dean of Psychology come in and wow. review my class, and she gave me great reviews. Mm-hmm. And I'm just stunned. Like, <laughs> I've never, I was never taught to teach a class, and I'm getting all this fantastic feedback from my students and from, from now the Dean. And yeah. I'm feeling great about this, you mm-hmm. know? And I still like it was still a very incongruent
1: experience, yeah.
0: considering where I came from. Yeah,
1: and yeah. I, I think that also shows how when people are misunderstood or misdiagnosed, right, how much that can lead into our fears and anxieties. There's something wrong with me. I'm broken. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with you. Your right. brain was uh, out. <laughs> couldn't focus and checked no. out. It had nothing to do with your intelligence. It had nothing to do um, with yeah. your. Uh, abilities. And then uh, for you, your worthiness, you know, totally. um, but to see how, how that can impact people. And so even for you sharing your story, how that, and I'm sure that impacts a lot of your clients too, to it finally does. feel understood or. To, Cause they're not, they're,
0: they're not alone. alone. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not alone in this. Like I'm, I'm yeah. in the boat with them. Yeah. We're doing yeah. it together. We're learning together. I'm just further along in the relationship skill sets sure. because I've been doing this professionally. Um, but when it comes to the struggles when it comes to the fears the insecurities and all these things yeah i know all of that mm-hmm. deeply i know yep. it all it's a very good thing that i can share that story though i don't wish i had to go through it sure um but i can i've i've found too that's another thought on this is i found that the more struggles i personally go through the better i am as a therapist mm-hmm. if if i'm working on it myself i'm able i'm more able then to help other people which i i really I deeply appreciate that though i don't like any of it mm-hmm. you know i don't like the struggle, yeah, nobody man. does, yeah, yeah, it's horrible and my my family you know they none of them are educated mm-hmm. um, My mom was pulled out of school when she was uh i don't know eight uh no ten ten eleven years Jeez. old mm-hmm. uh, her mom died, uh, and so then at that time, there was nobody else to take care of the other kids. She was one of seven, something like that, yeah. and so she wasn't very academically minded. And as I was struggling in school, none of my parents could help me with wow. their academics. I mean, I got to a certain point, which wasn't that far. Um, and they just couldn't help me any further. Um, my dad uh, dropped out of high school, mm-hmm. uh, went to the Navy, eventually went back, but it was a grueling experience for him to go back and mm-hmm. get reeducated. Um, but then, you know, I look at my parents and, and they've been such inspirations for me and the fact that they're terribly successful people with almost no formal education. Mm -hmm. And it really taught me, and in some sense, there's no excuse. It doesn't matter if you have the education, set your mind on a goal and keep moving forward. Another experience that I had, which was fairly formative, was through my graduate school. They required me to go to a couple different support groups, like an AA, NA, that kind of stuff. So I ended up going to an AA group and kind of got a feel for that. And then I went to one that I thought might be more relevant to me, which was a um, ADHD support group. I didn't know such things existed, but I found one. And I went to that group and it was the weirdest experience. I mean, all these people knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, They really understood, but they didn't understand me. Yeah, huh. Every single person in that group was shocked when I told them I was in a master's program. Yeah. They couldn't even imagine it. And I'm like, we're all kind of the same guys. Like, I don't understand how you are not moving forward and they just haven't figured it out. You know, I figured out something and I think one of the things that I figured out that was really helpful for me is effectively just keep moving forward. So you fail a class. So does it mean anything about you? Just keep moving. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Thanks story.
1: I also wonder how your story even helped those other individuals that could relate to you. Um, that ADHD didn't have to define them. Totally, It was right? part of their experience and it added challenges. Yeah. And that's probably with anyone's story. It doesn't have to define us. It can lead us, it can guide us, it can impact us. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be our ultimate guide, our only guide.
0: No, that's exactly right. It did take me a while to figure out that. It didn't define me, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that I, I still had value, I still had worth. I was actually intelligent, but I just couldn't. I couldn't aim properly. I mm-hmm. couldn't focus the mind enough to figure that out. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time of a lot of work. I mean, we talk about in other conversations about neurofeedback and things like that. And yeah. that was a pivotal point for me when I was in my undergrad. I I was um I was actually almost fired from a job because I kept forgetting to show up for the meetings mm. which were held on the same day and the same time every week. <laughs> so it's not like they were varying. <laughs> I just was distracted and couldn't pay attention enough to show up to the damn meeting. And so my boss sat me down and was like, hey, Ed, like, what's going on? You know, and I worked for the university, so mm-hmm. it was, they were more generous with their approach with me. They didn't fire me outright. They wanted to, uh, if I didn't shape up. And so I said, I, I don't know, let me, let me go figure it out. So I started getting counseling and I started dealing with some of these things and the counselor that I was working with, um, our psychologist, uh, also did neurofeedback and I started doing that. and that really taught me that when I was checked out uh, well it actually just taught me to be aware that I was checking out to start uh, and then over time I figured out how to check back in or at least recognize that I'm not available right now to learn this yeah. so I'm not going to beat myself up which you know, only creates more stress yeah. and diminishes any opportunity to focus uh, so that, that was a big turning point for me also in my academic career was getting the neurofeedback identifying that I'm checking out uh, so that I can then check back in and become more responsible and then identify, like, okay, I got this deficit. He also did a bunch of psychological testing, so I did get diagnosed mm-hmm. officially with the ADD, but he also told me that I'm pretty smart, which was really affirming but kind of confusing. I mean, it didn't make any sense to me that, like, how could I be intelligent and not be able to show up to a meeting? Yeah. And it turns out those are different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Attending to something versus intelligence, I didn't, yeah. I didn't recognize the difference. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a big turning point for me. So that's my story, at least some of it. This was an episode of the VoyageCast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please remember to subscribe anywhere podcasts are available and give us a five-star rating. We look forward to bringing you continued content.